What's up everyone? Welcome to the Deer Vane Whitetail Series and this is the beginning of the end. This is the start of the late season segment. We got 8, 9, 10 episodes coming out on the late season. If you're like me, you didn't kill in the pre-rut or the rut or the early season. Now we're on the late season and it can be a real grind, but at the same time, deer are still plentiful. Um, they're still active in daylight hours and it's arguably one of the best times to kill a mature deer just because there's so much scarcity around. So... Um, it should be, I've already had recorded a couple of these podcasts and they've been awesome, really helpful, very useful for me personally, and I hope they are for you as well. As always, this podcast has been sponsored by Onyx and Arrow Hunter Saddles. I really appreciate their support. So if you guys could show them some support, that would mean a lot to me. Um, Arrow Hunter Saddles, it's a tree saddle. Um, saddle hunting is a real, getting real popular right now. I use that saddle probably 50, 60% of the time. Um, I'm out when I'm out trying to be mobile, um, it's just so much easier than carrying a stand and sticks. It, it really is. I just put up four sticks and then I stand on the top stick and I'm ready to rock. Um, and you can pretty much get into a lot of different trees and it's just, it's a, it's a good system. If you're trying to be mobile and especially late season, you may need to be mobile because food sources will change. Bedding areas will change and you got it. You have to hunt the hot sign in late season. Um, cause it's, likely the only sign that you're going to find. So being mobile um, is very, very big in the late season. And uh, if you're ever looking into those saddles, look at Arrow Hunter saddles. As far as Onyx goes, you know, they're the GPS mapping app, show private public land boundaries. Uh, they give you waypoints, topo maps, hybrid maps, satellite maps. Um, you can track your distances, all sorts of things. I even use it for running when I go for runs. I'll just track where I go and it'll give me times and distance and all that stuff. So please go check out Onyx Maps and Arrow Hunter Saddles if you guys are in the market for either of those uh, categories. All right, let's get into it. Keep, keep going, John. You were saying you were saying you really you get the maps to know them by the back of your hand. Yeah, I think I just want to, years ago, I used to, when I was younger, I'm 41, I used to read magazines and learn all I could, but the articles I were reading didn't pertain to the deer I was hunting. I grew up in Southwest PA, rifle hunting, you know, a large mature deer is probably a two or three year old. I remember the biggest deer my neighbor shot was like 125 and I was 10 years old and I was like, oh my God, that's a monster. You yeah. know, I grew up um, that way and the deer they weren't big and you know i um but you know i get off track you know i start going one way and my brain gets lost because i got so much info i just you know but anyways um what we were talking about was uh you know yeah some of my i'm not a uh you know guide per se but you know i like to get together with my friends and when they get out you know this way and hunt with me you know i put them in a spot like to see them get a deer but yeah i study the maps i almost become the deer but like i was saying is i quit uh learning reading magazine articles because it was just like didn't pertain to where I hunted I hunted not public some public land growing up but mainly just hard hunted areas where everybody in town hunted a local dairy farm or a local mine property and you know they were just you know there was no deer there and, and the deer were there were nocturnal and they didn't live how you know the magazine articles you know described and I, I mean they don't just come out to cornfields and feed in front yeah. of you every night at 20 yards yeah, so I kind of started, <laughs> you know, I think maybe 20 some years ago, I just started learning from the deer itself, the deer I was hunting, um, just asking myself questions and hunting that spot and just studying the deer, where you see them bed, where you jump them, this and that, and learning all I could, but not so much. I like mainly now is not how-to articles, but 
people um, that have a deer they shot and they tell you the story and say, you can draw from their conclusions. Like this is what I did. He come out at this time and I saw him here and there. And then you can put your own, um, you can learn yourself, you know, um, from his situation. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Not- yeah. Like when people tell you stories, and a lot of times, a lot of times people do that, I, I feel like without even knowing it, like they tell you the strategy to get that deer without, you know, you sometimes you got to pick it apart. Yeah, it's not a how to this story. And you're like, you're, you're, you're listening to the story, but you're really looking for bits of information for how it can pertain to you and help you out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this, this is what happened in this guy's situation. Joe could happen to me. You know, it's yeah. not a black and, and there is no black and white answer and things are always changing in a deer woods and um, I could go on and on. But yeah. Um, what I got a picture of you? Is this you on here? Yeah, now now it's me. Yeah, I just ended my video. It'll download faster. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I got you. Good. If you want to see my, my pretty face, I can turn my video back on. I'm pretty good in that picture. <laughs> yeah, it, was a, it was a wedding picture. I, I should look pretty decent. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, yeah. so I've been uh, probably, you know, like I said, I grew up hunting Southwest PA, just kind of, and then as I ventured out and hunted different states, maybe in my early 20s, uh, we did a lot of public land, or, you know, it was knocked on people's door back in the day, but probably the last eight, 10 years, I really gravitated toward public land, because that was the most challenging, and when I first shot my first deer, I was four, uh, 16, um, and, you know, I was shaking like a leaf and it was, yeah, it was uh, almost near impossible. And that's what made me shake, you know, cause I missed so many and, you know, and I want to I, like try to get back to that. I don't, that's why I go to public land and maybe hunt one or two deer. Um, kind of, I mean, not saying that's the only deer I'll shoot, but I'd like to focus on one animal and, and I want, I'm trying to get back to that challenge. I like challenging myself. That's what yeah. it's all about. And then you have, and you make it so rare that you put that pressure on you to when you're 14 to where you might only have, you might have one chance at seeing the deer, let alone get a shot at it. So when you get that time to see him, you have to make that shot. So it pressurizes you like to when you were 14. That's what I try to get back to, you know, Yeah. to keep it real, to keep me going and, and, and chasing them deer, not like just going out and shooting a deer every year. You know, there's, there's years I would, I think last year I shot two buck and really haven't shot many in the previous four or five years. Cause I was like, and Bo said, man, what do you mean? You're looking for 170. I said, well, that's my goal. That's what I want. And I knew there was a few out there and I wouldn't shoot a deer unless, you know, I passed up forties, fifties cause I was just looking for this big monster buck. And I'm still, that's my goal to shoot 170 on public land. But, um, but yeah, probably the last seven, eight years, I exclusively hunted pub- public land, usually two to three, maybe four States. Um, and I don't live, I li- the closest I live to the public land I hunt is two and a half hours. So I'm just like everybody else. I got to travel. Oh, get, man. Get out there and scout. I don't live, I don't go out my door and hunt. I got, so I got to kind of, and I've, I, um, in the last, few, when I was younger, I just, uh, I worked for a guy in the summer and I would take off from October to January. So I was able, I traveled, I lived out of my Jeep. That's all I did was bow hunting. In the last five years, I kind of grew up. I started my own excavation business, which requires a lot of my time there to where I don't have the time I used to, you know, it kills me. But yeah, uh, 
but yeah, so I do, I still got to travel uh, to get to some of the public land. Some people um, message me, oh man, it's nice to have them deer in PA. I say, yeah, PA is huge. I don't have them in my backyard. I still have to go almost three hours to get to where I'm hunting, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And real quick for everybody listening, this is uh, Johnny Stewart. If you want to find him on Instagram, it's the Johnny Stewart. Do you, do you have any other socials? No, that's about it. Yeah. Just go there. Go there and find this, find Johnny there. Um, so no, that's, yeah, I can, I can only imagine that <laughs> having your own business is going to eat your time. You're not able to just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to take off for four months. <laughs> yeah. And the time I take off here, like I took off mostly the first couple of weeks in November and, and it's like, them bills don't stop coming. You know, <laughs> I, I got some big bills and it's like, you're like, and that it kind of messes your head up because you're like, I should be working, you know, I'm not, and then you try, sometimes I, I get, um, you know, I lose my patience cause I'm trying to get that deer where you need to have patience when you're hunting these deer. And that's why sometimes I don't do so good in a rut. I do better later in the year. Cause I, I'm like, okay, this is your last chance. You need to be patient. You know, I'm trying The rut's crazy time. You, you know, we had some hot weather out here, a lot of nocturnal stuff and you know, it's unpredictable, really. You don't know what's going to happen year to year. You can kind of guess, but, um, so yeah so i don't know um so that's basically what i've done the last seven eight years um pretty much strictly public land probably the last eight eight years to you know five years ago was when i really hit it hard and and just kind of maybe up to 10 years ago you know i was still hunting public land but i would just take three or four states and what i would do what i would hunt four or five days in one state then i'd run to the next state and i'd have cameras there because i'd be having scout study maps and i would just hop around you know, because you, you can't have like intensity and volume. It don't go hand in hand. You can't be doing everything right on public land, sneaking in, having being sent free, setting air all day. You know, do to you can't you can do like short three, four, five days as max. It's just to do everything right to be successful with these mature deer on this public land because they don't take chances with your life. You can't do everything perfect every day of the week because it's mentally just wears you out. You're going to slip up and, and make a mistake. And I tried this year. I was in PA for six, eight, 10 days, and nine. I can't remember through the beginning of November. Then I run down to Ohio. I drove eight hours. You know, I come home for a half a night and sleep. And then I drive to PA. And I just, I kind of did what I don't like to do. I wore myself out. And you, you start Cause in a lot of places you need to access might be, you know, I'm up at 3 AM before I go hunt. You might, it might be an hour walk, you know, sometimes you got to think how to get in there. Should I wait till daylight to get in? Should I go in before light? You know, there's a lot you're going to do, right. You can't, you know, a lot is publicly and you're going to sweat and you're going to stink. You got to, um, and you got to take chances, you know, to, um, get there, but sometimes, and that's why you need a lot of different places to hunt. Cause you might screw one place up, you know? So, yeah. uh, no there. yeah, you can't, uh, it's, it's hard to go about four or five days, you're maxed and just mentally and physically you get, and I, I tell people that go, you know, out of state and they got that eight days. I was like, Hey, take a day off. And like I'm preaching in a choir. Cause I didn't do it this year. I just went and went, went and I wore myself out. And, it's too hard, man. And the last day of the season, this Friday, last Friday in PA, I went out in the morning and I was, and a lot of guys were in that hunting camp where I stayed and they were getting, they were drinking, getting ready to go bear hunting. I wanted to cry. Like I got to go bow hunting yet. They weren't bow hunters, you know, cause bear hunting started Saturday and Friday was the last day. It was like, so I went out in the morning. I, you know what? I, uh, 
I was going to another spot during the day. I said, I'm done. I'm just, I'm wore out. I don't even want to get in a tree. So I kind of, but that's the thing. You can't go hard every day, all day. It just doesn't, it's like sprinting. You can't sprint for a mile. You can sprint for 40, 60 yards, you know, you right. go hard for that short time, take a break. Real, and that's what I used to do in the past. I would go four or five days. Then I would go to the next state. It was, an, it was a new environment, a new spot, you know. Um, even if you take a morning off, because then you're, it works on your mind. Like, ah, man, I should be in the woods. But you sleep in, you eat a breakfast, and you just get clear your mind, and you're ready to go again. And I didn't do that this year. I kind of pushed mm -hmm. myself wanting to get them deer. But it is them public land, mature animals. They don't take chances with their life. You know? No, I feel like when you take that, when you take that morning off or that whole day off, you sit there and you constantly think about, man, I should be in the woods. I should be in the woods. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're in the woods at that time, you, you're almost like zombieing it and you're yeah. just going through the motions. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Right. Yep. You're definitely right. And you just kind of force yourself and then you're like, I need to, you know, I need to be out there. And then you get a fresh start on your, that afternoon, you know, and it might be, it might be peak rut or something you need to be there but if you're wore out you need to stop so and i mm -hmm. i went against that this year but these these mature deer don't and and then even during the run i tell people you know you might have a day or two that these mature animals are dumb and you can't what you can't you need to get in close to where the does or you know where they're even bedding and where they like to um move because they don't move in the places that the yearlings two-year-olds you know does fawns they're uh, satellites and a lot of the area, you know, the biggest thing, people, what's the biggest thing you look for? I said hunting pressure because there's hunting pressure. They live with hunters and they satellite them and you find them seams and nooks, crannies where they live and where they feel comfortable moving. Um, and like the place I was hunting that last Friday was after a big, maybe 155 inch big tall eight. And he was living in some thick stuff. And, you know, I, I was wore out. I, I got out of maybe 10, 11 and I took a walk further out the road and, and I knew that the guy's been hunting out there. There's cameras. It's an old logging road going out on this mountain camera stands. And I, I could see the sign die off as I got out. It, it's all nice. That's the unknown variable that people don't know. Anybody can go and read sign, man, big scraper, but it might be nocturnal for his hunting pressure pressure. And that's the unknown variable that you have to find out. It's that extra element that you need to know man this yeah. looks awesome look at all these rubs but if there's someone in there hunting every day the same tree guess what you might as well go sit in your car because that buck <laughs> is way on you know what i mean oh I, I totally know what you mean i uh i took a friend out hunting with me the other day and we came onto my property and he was we walked walked in right off a of field edge and there was a giant scrape i mean three feet in diameter it was it was a big one yeah and um uh, and he looks at that one scrape and then sees another rub and then sees another small scrape right off the field edge. And in his mind, he goes, we're hunting here. This is where all the deer are. Yeah. And I'm like, yes and no, because yes, because they are here, but no, because I bet you all these scrapes are getting hit at 2 AM Yeah. or, or 9 PM. It's a, it's all after dark. We're not, I've been on this property for, for two years now and I've walked it multiple times and we're not close to a bedding area. There's yeah. no way they're getting here in daylight, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but he was, he was very intent on sitting it and he sat it for an evening and a morning and didn't see a deer and he was just dumbfounded. Yeah. You that know, and I, I, that I don't think it's there. 
yeah, maybe once or twice when that big mature deer's out of his mind, he come running through there. And when he comes running through, he's going to, he's going to be running, but you know, it's just like, but you're right. That sign is made at night. And I've been learning, you know, I've less like everybody else, probably the last 10 years, I've been running trail cameras, you know, 20 to 30, I, I usually put out, but I used to hunt them rubs, whether it was bedding or wherever it was, I find a big rub and scrape whatever I'd hunt it sit there rubs rubs and I and I you know I learned just from the deer before I even started running cameras I'm like and I'm not so I knew it was nocturnal but I even you know people talk about different types of rubs and why they're made and what they mean and I think sometimes uh, they're you know the deer don't sit back and say okay this is my primary scrape this is my signpost rub this is my rub line they don't do that you know what I mean it's like yeah so what if a deer comes through the woods and he sees another deer or their testosterone levels are up when they start rubbing he's just angry and he just wants to rub five trees in the area and he goes about his business that doesn't mean he's coming back there he don't own that territory but a lot of things i found running cameras i would put them on big rubs you know in the last five ten years and i wouldn't the bucks wouldn't come back you know um I'm like and i thought he was visiting this area but i think a lot of what i'm learning is and another spot i hunted is um, they go into these areas that they want to be in and they make these rubs and it's almost like, think about it. If they were inhabiting this area, maybe where does live and all the best cover and all, it's like, man, this is nice, but that's where all the hunters are. Um, if he was there living, he wouldn't have to make rubs because his scent and he would be, his presence was there. So, um, he wouldn't have to rub as much. So I think they make these rubs in some of these areas because they're not there. It's almost like saying, hey, this is my territory still. I can't be here. For example, this one buck this year, um, this little field was rubbed up. I mean, like you wouldn't believe a couple of times this year, a couple, you know, I know I knew it was 150, 160 and deer making the rubs. I put the camera out, you know, through October into November on them rubs. I never seen them, two-year-olds, three-year-olds. I found a rub a half a mile on a hill probably the biggest rub I've ever found 12 inch diameter and it was coming from that field and you know like to me I learned from the deer I almost become the deer and I learned what he's feeling and I know all the hunters are down there it's close to the road and he wants to be there where all them rubs and all them doe are man that's awesome you know a lot of does and you'll see young bucks running does in November my buddy hunted there because all them rubs like you said and this buck he's so mad he dug the dirt up in front of this rub, this 12 inch diameter tree. You know, he was so pissed. He was just so mad that he couldn't be there because he's more worried about surviving than he is breeding. So he has to go lay out on this mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And his instincts tell him, you know, after being, and it's all pressure related that the hunters are there and he's a, he's a, we're predators. He's the prey and he knows how to stay away from the predators where he has to go to survive to keep his genes alive and, and carry on his race or whatever you know what I mean but yeah I find this a lot where these bucks you have this rub and they're just I said it they're like pissed off they can't they're they can't yeah. be there. the ruts in they can't be there because there's hunters there they smelled them you know what I mean yeah but a lot of these rubs I find in these locations that the deer won't come back to just and it might be and I left a camera there on them rubs I checked it and another thing I I check my cameras at night I get up three in the morning or after dark and Cause you're in the areas where you want to hunt you want to sneak in there so like um i checked that camera it was last thursday morning you know like three in the morning i go check the cameras before i get in and hunt and help me decide where i want to hunt or and not screw it up you know go in and you know you're checking a camera during the daytime when you might be spooking deer you know but um yeah that, that camera I, I, so question about that this is this is pure curiosity here so 
Like, I, I mean, I check my cameras. I'm an opportunistic camera checker. Like if I'm in the area and I, and I have the opportunity, if I'm trying to get out a little early or if I'm leaving, uh, I'll swing by and check a camera during season. Um, mm-hmm. This is all during season. And I do that just because it's like, I'm already there. My sense likely already there. I'm going to just sneak in there, get the, get the card and get out, swap cards and go. Um, Yeah. If you're, if you're checking them at night, wouldn't, would you be afraid that the deer, that that mature buck is up on his feet and in that area and you're, they'll see at night. That's like, they throw, they don't, I bet how many times do you think that mature buck been spooked by a human at night in his life? probably never so that they just throw they don't care i've walked up on them that's yeah that's no that that's a great point that is that that solves my my piece right there and that's why yeah that's exactly what you're saying is if you make movement and make noise and all that in the dark they don't really register it at nearly as much as a threat because they know you can only kill them during the light yeah that's when they're you know they're humans are in the woods and there's and, and another neat thing is you know we're getting into late season i can go on about that but that spot it was a real heavy frost cold and and i was going up the road and i had just my headlamp up and i looked over and there's some hemlocks thermal covered and those were just laying there watching me like oh no big deal walked by and went and checked that camera but another uh <laughs> a place i used to hunt in the midwest you know Iowa, Illinois, everybody hunts the afternoon, the evening. They sit by the cornfields. Okay, so there's public land. Um, I used to go sit. I sneak down the creek bottom, the corns to the north, public timber to the south, and I get up in a tree after a cold three, four-day spell. They got to come feed. Well, the does come down out of the timber, and they're like this, looking up, down. They're everywhere. Like I'm like, I couldn't move because they've been hunted all year. Everybody wants to hunt in the evening, hunt the edge of the field, and so I said, you know what, I'm going to fix these deer. I said, I'm going to get up in that timber about an hour before daylight, you know, and yeah. that's how I started hunting out there. I'd get up and I remember that next morning, it was minus seven degrees without the windshield, like January 4th, you know, and I'd question my sanity. And you, park, <laughs> you walk up in a timber and there was a lot of deer. That was before that EHD hit that area. And there was tons of deer up in there. I walked in there to sound like, I'm telling you, the deer two counties over could have hear me crunching through them leaves. I'm like, <laughs> Hey, them deer come in the woods like zombies because they never seen a human in a daylight, first daylight in the morning. They walk right by me. I'm sitting on the ground. It was so cold. I was, I think I was muzzleloader hunting, but I shot one that year that way. And th- and then I would get in a tree a couple of times and they, the does were bedding on a ridge. Just like, look at you. Watch you get up in a tree. They don't care because they just brains turned off to that. They never been spooked at, at that time of day. Up in that timber. Yeah. Or yeah, in so that spot. Fine. That's why I've been shooting deer out in the Midwest in January at daylight because I get up there and nobody does it. So I'm up in the woods way before daylight and, and they're not spooky and they're not looking. They come, they come by like zombies, like drunk off corn. They just come up and they walk right by. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you got yeah, yeah, yeah. to box with these deer and do what people don't do, do the opposite. Um, but yeah, checking cameras at night after dark. You know, there's a lot of times my buddies come in the woods. I said, I'm going out. Drop me off. I go check. I'm like, what? It's like, I'm telling you, I can't. Uh, like, it's another spot. I was hunting a, a seven or eight-year-old eight-point here in PA. And I kind of, and another thing, these deer move throughout the year, like summer, summer, fall. And they gradually, you know, as breeding, you got to, everything's changing every day in the woods. You got to keep up on them deer. You might be yeah. 
cutting this scrape that he was hitting and all of a sudden he's downstream living here chasing doe where this is where he's comfortable you know it could be mm -hmm. hot, hot then it's like it's gone so you got to keep cameras running keep no you know know where the hunters are and you got to keep up to date on what's going on in your hunting area it's always evolving changing but uh yeah this year i went and checked that camera after dark and um, he was there in half hour before me, you know, and it was a thick area. I could, and I actually hung a stand. It was this place I knew I wanted to hunt, but I left the camera. And I went in, uh, in four days before that, uh, the last three days he's been there, but before that he wasn't even there because he was still in a different mode. You know, he was yeah mid-October and this is where he moved. And I hung a stand and I got out there. I hunted the next morning. I didn't see him, but um, yeah. And sometimes when you're into a thick bedding area and you want to check and see if he's using it, I go in at dark at, you know, after dark, maybe an hour, eight, you know, like an hour to give him time to get out and be mobile and walk around and get in there and check him spots, see if they're using it, you know, and like, a cause you got to get close to them bucks, you know, them old mature deer, like I said, um, you got to get in tight to where they're at, where they're safe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them deer people, I tell my buddies don't even like up there, there's, there's the deer numbers aren't, aren't, Hi, there's concentrations of them if you're getting around clear cuts, but that's where the hunters are. I said, but don't the trails, don't even use trails. They, they roam, you know, and a lot of deer, and I tell my buddies that a lot of these deer up into the 7th, 8th of November, you do get these flurries of does coming in the heat, but they're still nocturnal. They're still got their sense about them, you know, and, and but they, they do all the, like this year, it was kind of warm through October, November, the rut, I think, it, and all my cameras showed deer at nighttime, nighttime activity, walking at night, daytime was like, and I wouldn't hunt every day because I'm like, you know what? It just ain't happening. We drive maybe in one morning. I drive around, see if deer run and ask the other hunters. No, no, no. I'm just like, you know, so you got to get in tight to where they're bedding. And what they do when they're sitting there in their bed all day, you know, they do get up and mill around. So there got to be some food around. Um, they don't just lay all day and not feed. They'll get up and mill around. But they're sitting there. And I've seen it many a times. I'll tell you another story about a deer I hunt in Ohio. They sit there in their head and they, they know where they need to be. So it's not like. They're just, you can't, it's like beeline. I know this, this is where I picked up yesterday looking for doe, this matriarch here, you know, up in this area. And he'll just get up at half hour before dark and he just go into that area. You know what I mean? And if you, yeah. you're a hundred yards away, you might as well be a hundred miles away. Cause they're, and that's why a lot of you, they're just, they, they roam and they know, you know, they keep it random, you know, and they keep moving and that's how they survive. Um, but the one year in Ohio, a public land there was a, a ridge and a, a point and this buck he come up the hillside and he didn't go up over the ridge he went around the point down the other side that's how he crossed that ridge he went around that point so i got up in a cherry tree and he come by me probably 125 inch seven point and what it was he come where he came up the hill was an old power line it was kind of grown up thick and so there was some cover for him when he would come up and he would go around that point there was three old telephone poles on top of that ridge but he wouldn't go up over and expose himself on that ridge he would just kind of go around that point and down the other side and that was private land and i i, I passed on him he's a mid-20s seven big heavy nice mature three-year-old and um like i said they beeline they do what works that's why if you get when you're doing something right you it's most of the time it's not luck i don't believe in luck you know there's a reason for everything and so the you know, I shot a deer, uh, another deer that day. And then my buddy, I sent him in there. I said, go hunt that cherry tree at a seven point. He's a shooter. He was pulling his bow up and that deer come under him and went around that point. But he come from the other side, went around that point and down in that bottom. So the following year, I didn't hunt there. The year after that, 
Anthony, I went and I think I sat a blind up. Uh, yeah. Because it was sick. I didn't have two years later, the same deer did the same thing. And it was it was November 7th or 8th. He was still not it was 525. He still used that. He did the same thing. You know, yeah. if, if you're well, off, I mean, yeah, well, we're if it works for you and you're living through it and you ain't dying, you're keep right. Doing it, you keep right? doing it. And they get to that point where this works. Sometimes they get to the point where they're almost too cocky and they make a little bit of mistakes. But I'll remember yeah. he, you know, people say, I never heard a deer cough. I said, he's so certain himself this where he come up that he was coughing and, you know, he come right up at and I smoked him. I said, yeah, too, like this deer's done the same thing. You know, this is how he survived. So to get these animals, you got to be, it's uh, you got to be on them. You know, you got to, yeah. you got to really figure them out to, for them. So, to get- uh, what about, so I, you know, you always have friends, like I got friends that don't really deer hunt, but they will deer hunt during the rut. Right. You, yeah. you know, those types of friends that just like, you know, they only go out for the first couple of days in November and that's it. No, I don't know any of them guys. I, all my buddies are serious. Uh, <laughs> I got, you know what? I got, I got rifle hunters. I got a bunch of buddies like that. That only they hunt like first week of November. But well, you know, they'll always, they'll always send me pictures on the trail cameras of like a good buck, uh, you know, real nice deer one day in daylight. And they, you know, they always, almost always set the trail cameras right in front of their tree stands. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, man, this good buck was right under my tree stand. You can see the tree stand in the background and then they go in and hunt that and they never see them and they never kill them. Yeah. You think, do you think that's just a, a one day of that buck coming out in there? Or do you think, uh, and I mean, I think it's personally, I, I would imagine it's their entry and exit route and yeah. how they're coming in there and where they're, where they're checking their wind and all that. Yeah, and that a, buck's just like, yeah, I see likely, you. Yeah. That's most likely I'd say that's what it is. He's not there. So his, his scent ain't there. His presence isn't there. I'd say that's probably what it is. And I tell people, and a lot of times I say, Hey, my motto is scout more, hunt less, because the worst thing for a deer is a predator. And if you're up in a tree hidden um, and your scent's lingering, you can never get all your scent. I didn't use no exotics or nothing like that. I give deer a chance, but if he smells you, that's worse than you walking through to what I tell people, take your dog when you go scout and talk, you know, let them know you're there. Cause that's at least they know, okay, oh, I hear them and they'll run off and they'll listen to you go by and they go back to their routine. That's not like a highly, predatorial maybe thing you know when you're just passing through the woods to where when you're up in that tree and you're hiding and you're you know so they smell you they're like whoa i don't know where this is but this is totally freaking me out because that's what yeah. a predator does you know what i mean so oh, hunting yeah, is the you, worst thing and i've done that to the home. point where like you know i'll set up with a buddy and he'll be 50 60 70 yards away or something like that and you'll see a deer come in and he'll get a whiff of my friend and you'll see him start freaking out, you know, yeah. like, and, and, and my friend has no idea that deer is even there and yeah. I'm sitting there watching him at 20 yards or whatever, or that doe. And she's freaking out like, all right, there's something up there. I, I, I'm just going to turn around and go back to where I came from. You're, you're right. And I use, I always use like, I always got crazy analogies, you know, but I told people, I said, Hey, what if you watched the news and said, hey, and they said, hey, there's a serial killer in California and you live here. I live in, near Pittsburgh. Well, it ain't no big deal. But what if they said, man, there's a serial killer in your tent. Like I live in Bethel Park. It's little, then you'd be a little bit freaked out. To me, it's like, 
when that deer um, smells you and can't see you, that's like you're right there in his bedroom and that freaks him out. You know, if he hears you off in the distance walking, that's like, oh, that's the serial killer out there on the other side. Okay, I understand there's humans. The deer live with humans. It's inevitable when you're on public land, they know you exist. But when you're there in their bedroom or close by and they can't see you, but they smell you, that's what really totally alerts them. And that's hunting. That's what people do. They go out hunt, hunt. That's what screws up. And I keep my stand, not all the time here in PA and different parts of Ohio and, and, and that your wind isn't a constant thing that you can rely on. Like sometimes, out, you know, if you're less on top of the mountain or a lot in the Midwest, you can kind of rely on a certain wind. But a lot of times here, you got to get scent free as you can because this wind swirls. And I, and I don't, t you know, you, it's like, it's like a balance scale. It's like, you got to find, like people tell me, oh, you said this one time, but you said this the other. I said, because you, there is no right answer. It's like a toolbox. You got to have all these tools for, okay, you used a 12 inch, 12 millimeter wrench on that nut. Uh, how come you don't use a 12 millimeter wrench on that? Because it's a 13. You know, you, you got to use a different tool. This for that. is different. It's different. Yeah. You got to have a toolbox full. You know, you got to, you got to be all kind of tools. You got to be prepared, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, that's, that's what it's like, you know, but. Um, oh yeah. I'm out of, I'm out of Wisconsin and the, so unlike you, I do have 6,000 public acres right out my door, five minutes to the first parking lot, 30 minutes to the furthest one. So I spend a lot of time out there yeah. and it's a lot of swamp not a lot of hills, pretty flat. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the wind here, very reliable. If it yep. calls for Northwest, it's almost always Northwest. If it calls for South, it's always South. If I go to the private property that I can hunt, it's hills and valleys. And I will, I set up a stand um, this August. It's a prime stand for a mock scrape. I got good deer hitting it. Got a bunch of good trail camera photos of nice deer in daylight hitting this because it's about i don't know 80 90 yards from a bedding area and it's set up for a northwest wind which is a cold front wisconsin and i get in that stand on a northwest wind and it's blowing south yeah right into that bedding area and i get up in it and i just get out and leave yeah. you're right you know and i've done that multiple times this year and i cannot the only way i can hunt that stand is a no, a strong northeast wind, which has not come in the last three or four weeks. Yeah. So I gotta I honestly I'm probably just gonna pull that stand and set it up for a west wind so that I can hunt it more with a very similar uh entry and exit route that's like a ghost route. That's I, I call them just ghost routes when you have premium entry and exit, you're never really crossing a deer trail. You're never really getting into their zone. Your wind's always in your favor, never blowing into a bedding area. It's just like, you know, you come in, you set up, they have no idea you're there and you leave and they're going to smell you at some point, you know, throughout the night as they cross your trail and whatnot, but it's going to be really faint. And it's, it, the odds are almost always in your favor. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. Like I did set up on, on a place the other day or last week, I can't even remember what day, but and the wind was supposed to be north northwest and it was south blown and i sat there can you hey hey john can you talk a little bit closer to your mic yeah uh so i set up perfect uh, is that better um yep i set up in a spot with a like a there's a proposed north wind you know northwest and i 
I um, got into that spot and it was blown out of South, you know, and it was that steady five mile, you know, mile just enough. And it's, I'm like, that's where the deer are coming from. And I, I got out. I just, I'm not, you know, and like you said, you're just going to ruin it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just got to get out of there. And as far as um, crossing the trail, like a lot of these deer in this area, just roam. And I, I, I've heard once that the deer can smell so many smells that um, if they were looking for a human scent, they could like your dog. They know like my dog used to follow me because he was always looking. That was on his mind. My scent. He could smell probably thousands of smells too, but um, they like all hit him in the face at one time. These animals, and yeah. if he's actually looking for a human scent, he'll pick it up. But you know that time of the year, a lot of the time he might cross your trail because that's not on his, you know, right here on his yeah. front lobe, you know. But yeah. um, I had um, that happen this year. Friend and I, friend of friend and I came in and we did a hanging hunt, and um, and we set up, and a buck came in from where we were hoping he came in, came through and we were just like, he was, he was on a, he was on pretty much a run and uh, came through, just ran right through our shooting lane at 50 yards. It was a little bit too far for both of us. We were really hoping he was going to come a little bit higher up towards us. The, the, our main lane was at 25 yards, but he went running right down the path that we came in on after he passed us. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't care at all. It was about three to four hours after we came through. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was interesting because that was the first thing I said to my buddy. I was like, man, he's going right to where we walked in and he did, he didn't care at all. And sometimes it's association. Yeah. Like my buddy, he's hasn't hunted as many years as I did. He started smoking his clothes like the Indians used to do. I'm like, well, I, you know, and the deer come across this trail, smell that smoke is 140, 150 inch deer on, mature, you know, on public land. I'm like, well, how that, I said, well, you, you don't know, maybe he lived by a guy's house that burned wood and he's maybe the guy shot at him one time. He just associates other, maybe he's that flighty. They didn't like that. I said, but I wouldn't, you know, and I've had him smell my shoes that I left in my basement or walked in some different type of mud and, they didn't, it was a different smell, but they didn't associate it with a human. Um, my, my camera I had last year, the buck I shot like a half mile away, he was going, he went around in a circle like this, his nose down. And I, I remember I, when I brought that camera there to find a tree to put the camera on, I was walking around like this, but he didn't, <laughs> there was just something on my shoes. Maybe I was sitting in my car, maybe I spilled some peanut butter on the ground and I was stepping in, I don't know, you know, what I mean? but what he smelled wasn't human you know that he didn't it was different smelled. yeah so it was different than what there he's used to smelling it's not like you were rubbing your sweat and your armpits on your bottom of your soul and walking out there and then he would say whoa that's a human right soul maybe you stepped in something that didn't really associate with humans in his brain it was just yeah. something they are curious animals no, I, yeah, it's it's like why you get those those trail camera pictures when they sniff your camera. Yeah, they're coming yeah. in. They're like, that's weird. I don't know what that is, but I'm gonna figure it out. They smell something. They if they yeah really like wanting to tune in their sense of smell and you know and and I also you know the last few years been hiding my cameras not just from hunters but deer. 
there's times I used to just put it on a tree, a small sapling, and your camera's this big. I had deer walk up to it and turn around and walk away. And I don't think it, it was just, uh, especially if he's familiar with that area in his bedroom or something. Mm-hmm. Just He didn't like that. Is that usually how you're, how you're targeting your mature deer is mainly through your cameras and scout, like, and yeah, boots on the like, ground? In PA, in this area that I hunt, mineral licks kind of get an idea through the summer, you know, spring, summer, and find out where they're, they're um, what's what's there. Usually run the same mineral licks, and it's weird. You get a lot of deer deer hunters, and they, usually they'll hit the, if they're still alive, they hit that same mineral lick, and then they do you, do, Is that a natural mineral lick, or do you put that out? You're allowed to put stuff out on, on, okay. on the area that I'm hunting, so... I kind of keep track. It just tells you what's in the air. Hey, he still yeah. made it. And then you focus on, you know, getting into hunt season. I don't hunt much, mainly because of my work in October, because I'm really slammed in October. So I save my hunting for November. You picked the wrong job to start, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the wrong business, I should say. <laughs> but I'm slow now. Well, I work enough that I can get some time in November. But um, yeah, yeah. Then I start hunting through October and over and then bend them by the rut. I'm wore out because I go and go and go and go. So mm-hmm. um, it helped. So I just kind of saved my time for the rep. But the, the mature deer I'm after, like I said, they uh, and these deer, I learned the pecking order changes. It seems like through the breeding season. And then they worry about surviving afterwards, December, January. And then the next summer, it's a whole different, uh, they have to, some deer die, these deer move, because I've had these deer, oh yeah, he's going to be there next year, no, and he moves across the mountain, maybe, because he's smarter, and he maybe got pressured there, but they do move, you say, hey, hey, they don't always live in that same area, um, yeah. and these bigger tracks of land. Do you find that, that some, some areas just always hold big deer every year? Yeah, there are those areas, you know, there's always, it just happens. And, but I see how different animals live in that area. Mature animals use it differently. Like Got when it. I grabbed that camera um, before or after, after dark and I hung that stand down and I think it, the reason I hung it there in September, there was a big nine there, had it all rubbed up, these thick saplings. And I missed them at 30 yards and maybe 150 inch nine, I hit a sapling. Plus, I'm going to go put cameras down there this year. And I caught this different eight, an old eight. No sap, no rubs there. I said, that, that buck's dead or he moved on. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you know, new deer moved there. But they, I, I see how they use it differently, how they visualize living in that area. You know, they might not use it yeah. to the last deer because they're all individuals like you and me. You know, how you, you go throughout your day and how you eat and where you eat and where you sleep and how you go to bed, what time you get a shower. Like these deer, you know, you might have similarities, but they're altogether different. That's why I said, it's like, you said this one time, but you said this the other. It's like, yeah, but you just, it's not, it's, it's like the balance scale. You, you said, do this, do this. And then but you did that too much. You gotta, you gotta do yep. the opposite to bring it back. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. and that's, I don't want to give you a black and white answer. I tell people, I said, you better off, drawing your own conclusion learning from me and using having that toolbox of tools to where you got all these wrenches all these sockets then you could okay maybe i'll try this in this situation because when you hunt them individual deer they live they're their own person and they live differently Mm -hmm. and and then if you learn from this deer and you can use it on the next deer he kind of did this so I'll, i'll learn to do this but that's what i like most is scouting and learning an area and every year it changes whether it's the mass the food and and you know, the deer that live there and 
you know, there's places I'll go to. I haven't been now that I'm getting older four or five years. Look how this changed, you know, and oh, there's deer here now. But then like when my buddies come to hunt, I, you know, and I'm always studying maps and scouting and dropping pins and just walking until I know it like intimately know it like a deer. And I know where the, the does want to be. And I kind of, I, the biggest thing is the hunters can where they are. Cause there's not too many places that I go that's so far off grid or there ain't nobody there that they're just naturally in their own, you know, living without the thought of human and doing their own thing. Most of this public land has humans on it and these bigger deer learn how to survive with them. So that's the biggest thing, the factor that you have to figure out in your, your area and how it's affecting the deer population, the mature deer, is it? Because the longer they go without interacting with a the human, they might lessen, you know, like um, be let their guard down a little bit. But most of the time, yeah. the bucks are on, you know, on alert. And I, so like my buddies come in, oh, here, go down this spot. And, you know, try, you know, that's a good spot, you know. And so this year, um, Greg come out and he hit a, a big one and, you know, he was kind of, we couldn't find it. And then two days later, I put him in this, in an area and he shot a 10 and then a, my other buddy come out and I put him in a spot and he shot a 10, you know, probably 130. I've seen that on your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, and they're like, and my old lady's like, how can we give an hour deer away? I said, I'm horn hunting woman. I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> they're good deer, but I'm, and that's, that's with me. I just, I want the oldest, maturest, toughest deer. Yeah. So when he comes in, it's like, it takes me back when I was 14 and I'm like, oh, man, I need to make a shot. Cause when I was 14, it took me four years, three years to get a chance at a deer. That's how much I sucked, you know? So I, <laughs> I love to back to that. I get to that point and make it rare. And that, that's, that makes it yeah. tense, you know? Oh yeah, man. I, I, I don't know if you saw this or not, but I, I, I missed one. I missed a good one this year. Yeah. Um, I actually, it was probably like my eighth or ninth day hunting and uh, he just showed up at 25 yards and I had, uh, about 30 seconds to figure out um, where he was going. And then I drew back, was looking through my peep. He came through my lane um, and he started to walk kind of diagonally away from me. Mm-hmm. And the tree that I ran, the, the spots that I ranged, one was 20 yards and one was 30 yards. And he was walking backwards towards the 30 yard uh, tree that I had ranged. And I put my 30 pin on him. And I just put it mid body and I hindsight, I shouldn't have put it, I should have put it low, but yeah. I pulled the trigger shot right over his back. You know, I had some hair in my broadhead and I rearranged where he was standing and he was only standing at 26 yards. Yeah. You know, and I was just, I was just devastated. But uh, on the plus side of that deer is that uh, he's only, I think he's only three and a half and he's probably 135, 140 inch 10 point. So he's uh or three and a half, I should say. I don't know. What did I say? 35. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's cool. Yeah. So he's, he's a good deer. And, um, and thankfully, uh, I still have pictures of him on a, on a mock scrape in daylight. He's still active in the same area. And, uh, I'm pretty sure my dad, my dad, we had gun season out at in Wisconsin last weekend. So yeah, yesterday and the day before, yeah. And it's still going on right now. And he, um, my dad's buddy saw him and he missed him twice <laughs> with a gun at a hundred yards. So, and I know exactly where he went and he went into this big, he went into a big bedding area and, uh, 
and they, they have no way out of that bedding area. So if we wanted to drive it, we could set up to pretty much to the point where we're going to shoot at him a lot more. And, uh, this guy that my dad had brought was one of his good friends and he hadn't shot a deer in a long time. And I said, my dad said, well, do you want to drive that? And I said, I, I don't, but if Frank really wants that buck, I'll, I mean, we can, I know there's going to be a ton of deer coming out of there, but if he misses again, the neighbors are killing him for sure. Yeah. Like that deer is going to die. Yeah. And so I asked Frank and he said, thankfully he said, no, I'm not really one for, for shooting at running deer. You know, I like them when they're being, I like to try to kill deer when they're being deer. And I like to, you know, be, I like to be more of a hunter than just, you know, push them out and shoot them as they run. Yeah. So, um, so we left them there and he never came out that night and I, I didn't see him. I didn't see him the next day and it was, it's only probably like a five acre chunk, but it is, it is real thick in there. Mm -hmm. um, the next morning I watched that chunk from afar and nine does came out in one buck. I couldn't figure out how big the buck was, but I did see he, it was a buck and I was looking at him through my scope at 400 yards and I could tell it was a good buck. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it was him or not, but they came out and I could see another hunter on the, this is the neighbor's uh, cornfield. I could see another hunter a few hundred yards in front of them they came out and they must've smelt him cause they locked up and then turned back around and just real calmly walked into the woods <laughs> back from where they came yeah. right onto our property. And I was like, all right, cool. I guess we're just going to leave that there. I hope, you know, no one touches it this year or during gun season and I'll be back to bow hunt that for late season. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, uh, I like late season a lot. Um, the deer start shifting into feeding as everybody knows and um you, you can start pattern the rut can be crazy like this year we had a lot of nocturnal stuff it really um was tough seeing a deer. yeah did you guys get a lot of like 65 70 degree days yeah it was some shitty weather yeah we uh, had for three weekends in a row we had south winds uh, yeah yeah and that's just yeah it's just not like i i mean i would prefer a north a northwest wind just seems like deer move a lot more with that cold with colder temps i mean especially when it's the rut you know a lot Could of you imagine running in 70 degrees versus running in 40 degrees like it's just easier a lot of cameras i checked the deer were nocturnal and um i got close to a couple bucks with does and they were just locked up with them you know mm -hmm. midday but but i can tell you the day greg shot his deer I don't know, sixth or seventh. Um, but I was taking our bows back, you know, and then we were going to start dragging. And I was walking on these leaves on an old logging road. And I was walking on leaves. And this deer about 50 yards away in the thick stuff snorted, like pissed off snorted. I said, that's it. And I stopped and I would walk again. As soon as I started walking, he snorted again. He was so pissed. And that's the... You know, just from the years I've been in woods, I said, that's a mature deer. He's so pissed because I'm interfering and in with what he's doing. He's totally safe in that cover. And I talked to Greg. I said, hey, this buck was right. He said, that's where that big monster rub was. And it was probably that big tall eight. And another thing, it was 
12 o'clock on the dot and it was 65 degrees and the sun was beating down. You know, I told Greg, I said, that was a big buck. Cause that's when I see them big bucks on the hoof about noon. I don't care if it's 80 degrees there. There's a time when they'll move in the middle of the day because it's, you know, I'm, I'm saying if, if their um, minds tell them to go where there's a doe or look for a doe, it don't matter if it's 80 or 40 degrees. I've seen a lot of big bucks high noon bucks walking around, you know what I mean? But um, mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, the, the activity is down and there was a lot of nighttime stuff and then big bucks. And he, he, he was on his hoof, but I know where he was walking. It was all thick. Yeah. You know, he was probably doing circles in, in there and waiting to doze. And then he might come out of there at, at night and go after a doe. I'm not saying he was out in the middle of the open woods. He was in his security. That's why he snorted like that. He was just like pissed. You Why know, do you think they move in mid, like midday? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe, you know, and I know most of the time during a rut, that heavy frost early in the morning is like dead. Nothing moves, you know, then yeah. you get eight, nine o'clock. And then I don't know if it's uh, most of the other deer or there's not as much, not so many other deer moving and he, he can do his thing, you know, um, and, and get around and deer are bedded, you know, in his head midday, there's not much activity. And that's when he's going to check and being uh, efficient um, deer, yeah. not on the hoof moving, walking back to the bed. He kind of waits, you know, cause they get the older they get, the lazier they get, you know, and a lot of these deer, I showed Greg, <laughs> I said, look at his hips. I said, he don't got no hips. He's all belly and shoulders. I said, you know why? Cause he don't use his back legs. <laughs> so, you know, he's just lazy and old and, really efficient and just beelines and does what works. And I think maybe at noon, most of the deer are already bedded down. And, and a lot of these big bucks I find are nocturnal to about the 10th, 12th when they can't take it anymore. They ain't even worried about that first doe. It's so much chaos. You'll have five bucks. He don't want that. He's going to get his two or three does and um, he's happy. And then he's going back to surviving. That's mainly what he's worried about. He'd been, because I run them cameras in March and you see them yearlings or two-year-olds, you can see their ribs. And then you see that three to five, six-year-old, you can't see his ribs because, and it was a hard winter, but he don't, he's more worried about surviving than than he had them couple young, when he was young, them winters that really hurt him. He barely lived, you know, chasing them doe and he (laughs) learned um, to not be that way. They're a whole different creature. It's amazing. They, they totally they're really amazing to you know hunt a mature i think that's like the the one thing so many people struggle with when they first start chasing mature deer and i'm not saying like and i i'm definitely not saying that i'm there um because i still have i i feel like i'm still learning a ton every single time especially doing these podcasts personally has helped me out a lot in getting better and better at finding mature deer you know just finding them in general is tough you know people will put out trail cameras for all season and never get mature deer on camera you know um but i i think that is like when i really started getting mature deer on camera it was like kind of like a light bulb turned on in my head like oh this is why they're over here this is why they're here And a lot of it, especially on the public land. So I hunted the public by my house for five, six years straight. Um, and a couple seasons, you know, putting in well over 50 sits on the public land just to try to figure it out. And, um, it was really interesting to just 
start figuring out where those deer were. And to your point, a lot of it came down to hunting pressure. It was these nooks and crannies that were difficult to get to. There wasn't really any sort of, you know, four wheel trail or mode path to it. You had to go, you know, from a four wheel trail to a deer trail to cutting across a field, a grass field onto another deer trail and then break off that deer trail, you know, 60, 70 yards. And then you find that scrape or you find that rub that you're looking for, you know, it's, it's just out of the way. And it just, it's, it's not, it's not easy to get to. It's not easy to find, or it's one of those, you know, big pinch points where deer just, they just have, if they want to go over here and they don't want to run through a picked cornfield, they're coming through here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know? Um, and that's, but to that point, you know, if it is one of those pinch points, those are generally only good for daylight activity during the rut, you know, or the pre-rut. Yeah. Um, the early season, the late season. Yeah. You're just, I, you know, they, they're not running around looking for does checking bedding areas. Uh And then when you got them hot days, like a lot of, sometimes people hunt a saddle and it's just like, they wait all year to hunt that saddle and the, it, the buckster might be on his, on his hook for one or two days. Crazy. You know, it might do a lot of nocturnal stuff still yet, you know, it's totally safe, but yeah, you know, the, the mature first, you got to make sure the land that you're hunting holds the deer that you want to kill. If your goal is 125 inch. So it has to be there, you know, whether it's cameras, but what I look for is an accessibility uh, terrain cover, you know, if you've got a lot of cover, chances are they're going to survive. They're going to how to adapt, you know, in different parts. I hunted terrain with a lot of, a lot of this, a lot of fingers and rugged terrain to where you're not going to put drives on. Um, you're not going to, you know, you come up one side of the mountain, he's down the other, you know, or up and down or something mm-hmm. that is so far out of the way that, you know, no one else is there. So that these things have to exist for, for the deer to get to that age. Yeah. So, and I know, I know, you know, I know, you know, this, I just want to clarify it. If you're putting trail cameras out, you know, in August and September and early season, and you're not getting that 125 inch on camera, then that's what you're looking for. That doesn't mean that you can't kill a 125 on that property. That just means that they're not living there right now. If yeah. you have those cameras up throughout the whole season and you never get one, yeah, then, then you might be in the wrong spot, but but like John was saying earlier, those bucks move throughout the year. They figure things out. They like different areas and different times of the year, different bedding areas, different food sources, different, you know, doe groups that they're after different rutting areas. And so maybe they're not there early season, but that camera might spark up, you know, late October, early November, and then die off again by mid November. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, for next year that you got to be in there in that two to three week window. Yeah. You know, and vice versa, like some properties are only good late season or only good early season, only yeah. good for gun season. Yeah. And like you said, everything's changing, but if you're looking for uh, an animal you want to shoot, you leave it there long enough through the summer, you're probably going to catch the majority of deer that inhibit that area. You know what I mean? To see if that's, yeah. that's what you want to shoot. And there's times um, I'll get two or three cameras in one little area facing all different directions then you see well i didn't get nothing on this camera well this one has a bunch of deer on it so um you you, i take a lot in consideration of cameras but you're only seeing a quarter of the uh the you know piece of the puzzle yeah 
Yeah, that is one of those things that I always struggle with is when I, I'm not, I shouldn't say always, but I struggle with often is when I'm dropping a trail camera, it's okay. So here's a prime example. Um, we have a, a bottom, we have a Creek that runs through our property. We own the North Hill side. We own the South Hill side and, and our, our Northeast portion of our property. If you just picture a big rectangle and the, the river runs right through the middle of it, mm-hmm. the Northeast quadrant right off the river within, I don't know, 50 yards, you right on the, almost right on the fence line on the far East side, you got a scrape about 20 yards off the fence line, a real big one. And then within 50 yards, you got five more scrapes mm-hmm. and it, and it just goes, it, it, it starts in the open and goes to thicker cover. Okay. Yeah. And the, the best tree that I can get into without having to hunt on the ground, I'm still trying to kill them out of the tree. Cause I, I do, I film, I self film and it's just so much easier to self film out of a tree. You can get away with more movement up there than you can on the ground with, without a blind. I don't, I haven't used a blind ever really to hunt deer, to be honest. Um, which is something I, I should be doing, but anyway, um, so I have all these scrapes and I don't know which one to put my camera on. Yeah. They're all open. They, they, they all are, yeah, they're, they're all dirt, no leaves on them. And, um, there it's a 50 yard stretch. So it's like, okay, which one one? I'm hoping that the buck just comes through and hits all of them. The big box. I don't, I don't know the answer. So I just put it on one that kind of covered an entry and exit, a couple entry and exit trails. Yeah. And it was a scrape and I'm just hoping it's right. But I imagine in a couple of weeks when I go back and check it two, three weeks, um, I'll check it and I'll move it to one of the other ones and see if I get different deer Deer, Yeah, it is. Uh, like I said, I haven't solved the puzzle or the, you know, the scrape, you know, it tells me that, like I said, as far as a deer, like I try to, I learn from the deer, become the deer. The deer doesn't say, Hey, this is my primary scraper, but I don't know. He <laughs> might just like, I had a camera on a scrape and I thought I had a big, I had it there for a couple of weeks. I thought I had a big buck walk right by it. I'm like, is that a big buck? How come you didn't hit the scrape? You know? So <laughs> I mean, you could drive yourself crazy and that's like the rub thing. Like people try to, I talk to other guys that, you know, have scientific data and they're just like, Hey, we don't have an answer why they're rubbing here. And I said, well, maybe he's just angry and mad at that time or, and <laughs> wanted to rub some trees, you know, I, yeah. I kind of get to the point where you become the deer and you, you know, you're just like, well, maybe I just wanted to rub some trees because all the info I've learned and a lot is just constantly walking. And, you know, it's only in the last couple of years that people really started asking me questions and I just, oh, that's a good spot. And like, what? and then I had to sit down and think why and all the reasons, you know, and this is why. You know, I give them because they want the answer, not just because it's, trust me. But if you tell me, like Grace, if you tell me it's a good spot, I'm going to go sit there. So that's a good spot. You can kill a deer there. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I shot one. I said, oh, good. Well, yeah. And even then, you know, like those, those scrapes and those rubs and all that stuff, it changes year over year with the personality of the deer as well. Yeah. The deer is just one of those things. Like, uh, yeah. It's like, Park is a buddy of mine, Parker, who's been on the podcast a couple of times. He's been hunting this deer that he, that he's named Pope. It's about 170 inch, 12 point. Yeah. Um, 
and it always left his property the first week of October, the last four years or the last three years. And they've been watching it. He's been trying to kill it since it was like 140 inch. And then it went to like a 150s, 160s. And then last year it was like mid 170s, maybe 180s. And this year it's still, you know, he's still 170s, mid 180s. But he's had pictures of them all, all year so far um, on his property. And it, he's on a totally different pattern and a totally different, you know, portion of the property that he never had them on years past. Yeah. And he's like, what in the hell is this deer doing? And he kept it's hilarious. I, I, on the outside looking in, it's starting to get hilarious because he <laughs> will hunt a spot and that deer will be in a different spot. And then he'll go hunt that different spot. And then the deer will be in the other spot he was the, uh, yesterday. Yeah. You yeah, know, I, it's like I said, the randomness keeps these deer alive. They don't, yeah, fresh to keep moving. Um, there are times when you, you find that area where Dorner Rudd or something, he's coming through a certain area. I'm going to catch him here. And it's not a trail, but this this is an area you kind of catch them in. These are where the does are, and it's not like black and white. You know, you might catch them here. But, yeah, um, we found – or I found a shed hunt last year. I found an area was pretty hunted hunted hard, and people would go all the way out this road, all the way out the mountain, hunt. About halfway out on the left, there was a – it was damp, grassy, uh, not a lot of – then a lot of saplings grew up, little fields, grassy fields. And uh, so I shed hunted there. And there were some scrapes out on the ridge. We had cameras and the bucks that were the, that we had people walking, hunting out there and we had decent bucks hitting it. And you, people think they're going to walk this roadway, this old logging road out this ridge and scrape this up. There were scrapes, but the, that doesn't mean the five and six year old deer are doing that. That's what the young deer do. You yeah. know? These ones inhibit the same area, but they're just over here in this, because no, everybody walks by this. So I found all these scrapes, you know. So I went back in September before there was a lot of ferns and high grass and before the scrapes were even active. And I dropped four cameras. I come back November 1st, me and Greg went back there. We had a fucking oodles of bucks on there, 150-inch eights, you know. The one he shot is 130-inch 10 was on there. So I said, oh, this is it. I'm, this is where I'm going to kill my deer. So I, I left the cameras there and I hunted to fifth you know we checked it on the first i went back in the fourth or fifth ain't nothing on these cameras all these you know and it was just like trails and scrapes and you know it was thick in there and you know i hunted and the next time i went in there on the seventh or eighth that's when greg hit his deer so i got out of tree there. but a guy come walking through and that just screwed my brain up i'm like well these deer are not that and i just most of the time i just leave because i don't know that just throws a something into your equation that you don't know how to you don't know i'm just like did he mess it up? Most of the time, I'll just leave. But I kept hunting there, and I didn't have no deer on my camera. Now I don't know if they left because of him, he, you know, or or it was rut and they were running around. So I left the camera there. Come, you know, last time I was in there, November eleventh. I come back November nineteenth, and then on the seventeenth, them two big eight points showed up, and they were running in front of my camera, running does. They were there the day before. I'm like. You know, and they drive you crazy. You're like, and then you start thinking all kind of crazy stuff. And I just left that area. I said, I can't even hunt here. I said, <laughs> I sat there that morning and uh, that guy was in there. It was just too much. You know, that's why I like not seeing anybody. Like no, knowing where the humans are. And then I go here. And I went here and this guy was in here. And then I found his camera. And I'm like, so did this guy screw it up? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or what kind of 
through a monkey wrench. And that's the hardest thing to figure out is the, is the pressure. Mm -hmm. Most of the time you can, I can kind of know where the hunters are. And I used to go to places like, I think last year I talked on a podcast I said, yeah, I went to a place in Ohio. It was a five hour drive. It was November 13th, 14th. That's the first I can get there. Some open oak woods. I said, I run through the woods. They're like, what? I said, it was an hour before dark. It was prime time. I moved through the woods as fast as I could. And I was just, my mind was taking in everything, you know, and if, if I seen a doe, okay, well that, you know, after the guy's been, it was a pretty hard hunted piece of public land. I seen where a guy had his stand and the leaves were beat down. He walked every day. So I got to get away from here. You wouldn't have to go far, a couple hundred yards. Then I'd start picking up, you know, and most of the time it's wet. The ground still, so you can catch, you know, when the leaves fall, you see where they're feeding and the oaks are kicked up. And I just made a huge circle a mile through the woods. And I said, okay, I found two spots that I want to hunt. You know, I didn't have to, you know, kind of in season scout. And that's why I say scout more and hunt less. And, you know, you might have a spot picked on your onyx or whatever. I'm going to go here, but you don't know what them other guys. So I just made a huge circle through the woods, went up and down this ridge, this and that. And I'd seen where all the fresh sign was. If I hunt that fresh sign and, and that's how I went about it. You know what I mean? Um, find any, it'll, the deer will tell you where the people are. You find the deer and then there's no people there. Then let's hunt there. But then you can also wear a spot out yourself. And my buddy told me that year, said, nobody hunting there, man. I can't believe I ain't seen that buck. And I thought I'm like, scratch my head. I was like, you're hunting there every day. <laughs> you know, he's like, I was like, you spray spooked the deer. You're no superhuman, you know, you're leaving scent behind too. That's why you got to have a few different areas or different bucks to hunt. You know, um, there's few times you can get that strong Southwest wind that you can hunt this spot, but it's not all the time I find them spots. And here in PA, the wind swirls in these mountains. You can't, you can't do nothing about it. It's, it's every which way I get sent free. And that's why I don't hunt as much because always change my base layer I wear wool against my skin and I get a scent-free shower before I get out there but that's all monotonous every time you do that you gotta keep washing your clothes and I have a scent-free washer and dryer I don't take no chances my towel I hang up you know what I mean it's like I don't take no chances but to do that because the wind swirls you know I wear yeah. a mask to hold my scent in but that's that's monotonous but you gotta and I said to Greg I said you can't if these deer would just see all the shit we do just to go like you guys are crazy but <laughs> they all, do all these things just to get in on them and get a shot at them you know but they're so intelligent and living in their you know their world you're you're living in and yeah well I mean you're going into their house and trying to kill them yeah it's just, right you're exactly I mean, yeah right. they're gonna do everything they can to not die <laughs> so um yeah, God, there's so many. I had I had a really good topic to discuss right there, but I like I I I'm really enjoying this conversation, man. Yeah. Um, that I just like get sucked into what you're saying, and I just I'm living in that moment. Um, but uh, okay, you were talking about those bucks. Oh, what what I was gonna say was um, in a in effect, is that that hunting pressure takes it, it can take like uh for me instant for instance one of the pieces that i hunt right outside my house is about two thousand acres it takes that two thousand acres and once you understand where all the hunting pressure is mm -hmm. it condenses it to maybe a couple hundred that you mm -hmm. really have to focus on right right because that's one of the night that's one of the nice things is is it's almost like it bottlenecks the deer to certain portions and certain segments of that property yeah and that's all you need to focus your that's time you on that. so i took this area where these two big eights for and I, I told i thought i was going to kill a deer 
that guy come in there and it just kind of threw a monkey. Yeah. And then, it, then it's all over the place. <laughs> so, but I still, and I took a walk the day I came out and I took a walk and I said, okay, I know why they're not. It was like, it was plain for me to see where the hunters are and they, and what, what it is, it's all the good spots. Cause they, hunters are good. They, they know, man, this is a good bottleneck. This is a good ridge. And then, but they keep pounding it and they walk in and then before you know, but yeah, they'll, they'll gravitate to these smaller areas. And I tell people like, Hey, deer don't talk. They can't communicate like me and you. So they need body language and all this stuff to talk to each other. And they can't communicate. Like when a deer snorts or a deer smells you and it goes off, somehow it tells the rest of the crew, do not go over there. Yeah. Dangerous. They don't talk, you know, and I do believe these deer with these monster racks, if you think about it, people think both like you're crazy the way you think. I said, but this is how I see it. I learned from the deer themselves. Like you take a deer with this monster rack and you're in an area where, you know, maybe it's 150, 160 inch. And the rest of the deer are the yearlings, twos, you know, they look at him like, and they look at him like me or you would say you were in a, like a local dive bar and it's hot ass lady come in you're like whoa you didn't expect that you know you're, you're like <laughs> you don't expect and this big this like yearling bucking at and these two-year-olds that's all they see you know and their mom all the time and this big monarch walks in with like you're like whoa look at this deer and i feel like this is how the deer live you know they have their personalities they're all individuals and it's like so he gets looked at like that you know when that big horn falls off his head and he know and he knows going through the brush i didn't have this last year he's gonna hide this thing so he's a professional hider, I tell people. He's just professional at hiding. And he's still pretty. <laughs> but that's what they do. He has this thing he's walking around on his head that he has to keep hidden. Because a lot of these deer in PA, um, in that northern piece that I hunt, the deer can lose their horns in December. And a lot of deer get, um, that's the last week of rifle, a lot of these big bucks are getting killed with holes in their head. But they lose their testosterone. It's like they go back into like a doe mode. And they're right. out feet, but when they have that rack, it's like, and they, and the other deer, they know they're the only one. You know, they know that they have that, and not to keep that, he has to really hide himself, and that's what he does. And, and it's just a different animal. It's not them. It's people don't really understand until you actually follow one throughout the year. Or, you know, like your buddy does, or you. You can find that. And this is what he does. And you don't really have an answer why it's just that he knows what he got and he knows what he has to, you know, and survival is number one. And yeah. it's, just, it's just amazing to, to hunt these, but um, yeah, they, they, they know what they have and how the other deer look at them. They're, 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 they're one of the few, you know, out there and they have, they have to hide that, you know, they're just, they're, Oh yeah. Yeah. Know. Oh, so, certainly. I mean, they, yeah, they know that they're sought after. Yeah. Right. Um, right. so kind of switching, switching a little topics, which is like in theory, what this podcast was like supposed to be about. But I think, I mean, the information we've covered is phenomenal by, by any stretch of the means. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's really good. I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from this conversation. Um, but the, the next thing I wanted to touch on is just like late season hunting. Um, I was trying to transition to that slowly and, and in a very like slick way, like Steve Ranella from the meat eater does. Yeah. And instead I just decided to hit it with a, with a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for, for late season, you know, you, you said 
generally if, if you're targeting bucks late season, like you were saying earlier, it's, it's just bed to food, right? Yeah. Late season bed to food, but they are when that weather and you get them cold temps, they have to feed. Like we had a couple freak snowstorms here in November. And if that, and I went into a January mode and I went to a spot that I would shed hunt or hunt in January. It was tore up. And okay. I didn't get into the deer because it was almost like I feel like in November, they're going to, they can hunker down. They have enough fat to get through that. They're going to feed before that storm because it's still, it was, we had some 60 degree days and we had that cold weather. And I said, they're going to go into a feeding frenzy. Well, they fed enough before that storm in the 60 degrees. Then that storm, they just hunkered down. And I get up, and that's another thing. I get up three, four in the morning. If I check cameras, I'm riding the roads looking for tracks, see if the deer are moving. It tells me all kinds of stuff. And I seen that the deer weren't active at night through the whole storm i said if it didn't put myself back in january when i hunt them area because their fat reserves are gone and you have that cold extended weather you have a storm they have to get up and feed every so many hours so yeah early november storm well this is different when you get into january late december january they can't ride that storm out they will feed before it. they might lay down through the bulk of it but i've seen a lot of deer even with the in the you know maybe, I don't know if it's the hunting pressure, you get a crazy windy freak storm and trees are cracking. I've seen the most deer on them days. I don't know if it's more they're scared, you know, they're freaked out from the noise and the trees cracking. That was always a great time to hunt. Um, but definitely they have to get up and feed and you can actually, if you can find where they're bedding, feeding, um, as long as the bucks that you're after are still alive, you know, excuse me. And you got to take inventory to see if them, um, deer are alive because you can't read that sign the big rubs and I, you know and there's and you get into places there's times i hunted in the midwest the population was pretty high and the does and i still catch them breeding and looking for does that maybe them fawns that you reach a body weight and they they, they come yeah. in the um so that's a you know a thing but um definitely you gotta like this year i'm gonna go to iowa late season i'm gonna bow hunt and um I can't, my buddy was an early season here in November. He didn't do any good, but I said, Hey, I'm going out there. And I do it all the time. When I go out, I, mean, I, I don't know. I said, I can't go hunt a rubber scrape for three days and hope a 130, 140 inch deer is coming by. Cause he might be dead. So yeah. uh, what I might do is go out a week early. And I did that last year, drop a bunch of cameras, just take inventory, you know, and mm -hmm. see what's left and then just focus on that. Cause once you find that one animal, you got a good chance to kill him because you find out where he's bed and feeding. It makes things a lot easier. And I'm always pretty successful in late season because you can pattern them a little better than back in November when it's crazy. And like this, we had a hot, you know, November and you kind of expect a lot in November because mm -hmm. it's the rut. It's the rut. It's the time to hunt. And it was kind of like a bust this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't do that good in, in a rut. And then a lot of people, you get the, the pressure drops off in that time of year and that's a that's a big factor for me yeah to getting into where the people aren't hunting that know, is a great point a lot you of people know, get like it seems like the pressure around around me on the public it slowly rises and then climaxes like november 7th yeah and then it it also i mean it hit, hits its peak for opening day of gun season and then after that it just becomes a desert yeah, yeah. It's back to having it to myself. Yeah. And then they do, there's a lot of movement. You don't want to hunt too much in the morning. Unless I said, like I, I did out in the Midwest that time. I just did the opposite or whatever. You got to find out what's going on, but you know, midday, um, if there ain't a lot of pressure um, and there's not too many deer, you can get in and get, get set up on them and, 
and uh, catch them feeding, get in closely. And thermal cover is a big thing. Um, the deer want to get into them pines because it, it, and it just a, like I said the other day when I went out at 3 a.m. to check a camera, it was a heavy frost. There was snow. There it was a, it was a heavy. It was cold. There was a froze crust on the snow, 20 degrees. And I went up like in logging road and I was exposed and I got into the hemlocks and the thermal cover, um, broken up with oaks. And when I jumped in there, 3 a.m., 3.30, I don't know what time I was out hiking through there. And I felt a two to four degree difference in temperature. So that's a big thing mm-hmm. you need to find, not just, and that's another thing, get out of that wind um, and find some thermal cover that can break the wind or even hold off that frost that blanket that they can get under if there is no wind. So it kind of helps you find out where these deer are going to be, you know, out of the wind, food, and everything got to be, you know, unless like last year, uh, I was hunting out in the Midwest and it was 40s and it just killed me, you know, because I didn't have that cold weather. I ended up shooting right. a deer, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. You know, I wanted that brutal cold weather to, to make them feed. And I got on a ridge and I shot a good one, but, um, I kind of depend on that in this. And another thing I do is um, I'm pretty good at tracking. I, I look for a good track, you know, I, I'll drive the roads and get up before daylight. I love driving the roads. If you can um, find a good track and he's probably close by. Um, he's not far, you know, a couple hundred yards each way because he's yeah. going to feed, but yeah, find a track and it might not tell you exactly what deer it is, but it's a, it's going to be a mature animal and you can, you can go after but um, you do got. Yeah. Do you uh? Do you put? I mean, coming out to the Midwest or in in PA. So is PA bow season like done for the year now? Yeah, it'll come in. So rifle comes in Saturday. Uh, it's in two weeks. Uh, then they have a break till the day after Christmas, and that's a flintlock and bow season, and that's three weeks. So okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So you still have a little bit in January to hunt yet. Yeah, definitely December, December and January. As long as they still got their horns, I'm going to, um, but I think I'm going to Iowa. See, I'm all goofed up now. I ain't killed a deer and I got, and then I got Ohio. I hunt. <laughs> My old lady's like, Hey, she said, your hunting just started. I'm like, you're right. I said, oh man, you got a good woman, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, there is some time left and but flintlock we have flintlock it's traditional no inline um which is pretty wild um yeah you sab it but that's really primitive i enjoy going out with a flintlock and a flash pan that's pretty pretty awesome and you know it's almost you rather take a bow because sometimes the gun don't go off and there's a lot of moisture in the air you know mm-hmm. um, powder but um so yeah pa um i might try to get in i might try to do some gun hunting down ohio um, but, um, yeah, late season, find that thermal cover, ride the road. If you got some, if you can find some snow, you know, get out and find their tracks and know that they exist. First, you got to know the deer exist that you're hunting or run them cameras, yeah. um, maybe where they're feeding and, um, midday go in maybe nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, sit all day if you can. But, uh, you know, the pressure dies, dries up pretty good. And these, you know, a lot of these deer uh, here in PA, I find them, you know, everybody goes, oh, that's South Slope, you know, but last year we found all the slope, all the sign on the North Slope, you know, and um, a lot of these deer, all these deer in these area, I hunt are browsers, there, there's no uh, mast, 
Are you uh, saying north facing or south facing slope? The south facing is where the sun hits on these bigger hills because you're yeah. south and, and it's a, you know, it faces south. Yeah, you know? so it warms up quicker. Yeah, and so sometimes that's the thing, but last year it was like we found more sun on a north, north slope, you know. Huh. Um, okay, yeah. No, it's weird, you know. But Yeah, uh, no, it is, but it doesn't – it's weird, but it doesn't matter. Like that, if that's where the sign is, that's where you go. Where you go. Maybe right? when that – maybe when the snow's about off and, and the ground's exposed, you know, and, and these deer do a lot of scratching, they eat roots and ferns and moss. And there's some big animals out here in PA, um, healthy. And that's what they, they're made to be browsers, not great. They're, they're not cows, you know, they're not made to eat uh, grasses and, and, and stuff. Like right. That. Yeah. That's what they're made to eat twigs and stuff like that. Um, but get into, you know, they're, they're, there. they're, they're they're not traveling a lot. And they're, so and they're in the, in the big woods. Are you looking, I mean, what are you looking for as like a food source? If you're going to drop cameras on it. Um, I find uh, ferns. These ferns. deer out here will, will scratch and they'll get into the, the roots of the ferns. And I still go to these places that, so you got hunt, rifle hunters. They're still out of, in these places, the hard to reach places, the rifle hunters. They just kind of, they don't want to be bothered, you know? Yeah. So the traditional places that you might see them where guys hunt, they're still down in these maybe hollows out of the wind, you know, some thermal, some hemlocks, um, they'll lay under, uh, but scratching these hills, browsing on like, the, some of these clear cuts have blackberry brush and they just nip on them and eat those. But um, yeah, for PA in these big, big woods, there's, uh, um, they just scratch in the snow, you know, scratch on the ground. And uh, so, yeah, no, it's, yeah. I just, I'm just curious because I don't hunt, you know, I, I'm in Wisconsin, so we have cornfields. Yeah, it's totally, it's totally <laughs> different. Yeah, they, uh, but it's amazing the deer we have here, body-wise, are, there's some monster deer out here. Both. Oh, yeah, P, I mean, you know, PI is similar latitude to Wisconsin, I would expect you guys yeah. to have some big body deer. And there is no They get there. food, right? It's not like they don't get food. See, the way Pennsylvania is in this area, uh, maybe in the 1900s, I don't know exactly when, but they logged all this area. All these mountains were stripped off for timber. So when the forest, everything was cleared. So everything started growing at the same rate. And you figure you had a lot of browse, like for miles and miles. And so the deer population grew throughout, you know, maybe the 50s, 60s. But as the forest grew, it choked out in the canopy, choked out mm -hmm. the stuff underneath. Then in the 80s, 90s, there was populations. People would go to the north woods, as where I hunt, and hunt, see 100 deer. You know, because the population got so big because they grew as the forest grew. Then it got, then it went backwards because there was no understory. They browsed everything because the the forests were mature. Right. Yeah, they clear cut a little here, but it wasn't like they when they raped the hillsides. And so, the deer weren't big. Everybody, a mountain deer is what they called them in the eighties, and they were spikes, four sixes. If you shot a six, you were the man, you know. Yeah. And you would see hundred deer, and they were small. And then in the nineties, they killed themselves because there was no there was browse line five feet off the ground through the forest. And when you overbrowse an area to that extreme it's not, you know, the deer died off and it took 15, you know, we're looking at 25 years 
since the population got so low and allowed the vegetation to grow back and the deer population, you know, the hunters kept them in check, you know, yeah. so the population, because in a forested area, deer can, needs to, needs like 80 acres to survive, you know, and so you can't have just overabundance of deer here, you know, because right. it's a forested area, they'll gravitate toward these clear cuts and I'll see sign and everybody hunts in them areas where the clear cuts and a deer sign is because that brings the food but there's pieces up land up here you might half a square mile that just there's no sign of deer because it's so vast in the, in the you know but but throughout the year that's a part of the 80 acre for each deer to yeah drive, you know what i mean but so we oh, got yeah. some, some good deer in this area now and the hunting's the hunting's good and the deer and that's the biggest thing to have a healthy herd where they weren't healthy back in the 90s they were just um, they were just overabundant but it, it worked out for the good you know and they're in check and we got you got to kill the animals to keep them in check you got to hunt yeah and, and keep the population keep them healthy because they're in, they're healthy right now and they're i've shot deer i think greg's deer last year he shot it was november and, and i mean these are deer that eat sticks and roots and moss and leaves and he had a layer of fat on his back like you wouldn't believe <laughs> they're, they're, yeah. they're what they need they're healthy as heck you know they're not yeah, eating greens and corn you know i think to your yeah no i i agree and i think to your point one of the things a lot of people forget is like you know you always hear these people about saying like i want the want the land the way it was before humans or i want these animals here the way they were before humans mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter is that i'm sorry that's just not going to happen because humans are here yeah. And we're going to be here. Yeah. So we need, we need to control populations. Yeah. We're in charge of that. Yeah. Right. And we're in charge of that now. Like you're never just gonna, you know, like in Wisconsin, to, like I'm not a hundred percent up on up to it, but bringing wolves back in and everything. Mm -hmm. And we've had wolves in Wisconsin, but the, the problem with that is they were fed, federally regulated. So they were on the endangered species list. So you couldn't, you couldn't hunt them for several years. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the problem is like, okay, you want to reintroduce something, but not introduce management. That's, that's a problem. Yeah. You're right. You know, if you want to bring something back, bring it back with management, that's totally fine. Right. You know, yeah. and let human humans are here and we need to play a role in, in these animals lives in their life cycle. It's just, it is what it is, you know, and, and either hunters are going to play that role or you're going to pay the government to pay somebody to yeah. play that role. It's one or the other. You know, you can either make money from it or you can pay money to it. Yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, that's that's my little rant on that. The uh, so when you go to Iowa, are you just are you do you already have cameras out there? Or are you gonna? No, I gotta go. I gotta. I think I was just looking today. I think our late season starts at the twenty first. Okay. Uh, black powder bow. I got a black powder tag. I'll bow hunt just because I don't want to shoot while the black powder. Yeah. Um, but I'll go out. Probably drive out the twentieth, maybe hunt a couple of days, maybe come home for Christmas, um, drop dozen fifteen cameras, and go back out in January, see what's left. Yeah. And uh, I got some places in mind. I've hunted there before, and just narrow it down to four spots that I want to hunt. And I should, I think I'll do good. I'll, I'll yeah. Shoot. I usually have a chance at hundred thirty or better you know out there i was a good state man yeah so that's my plan and uh okay 
I still so where are you going to, are you dropping your cameras just on trails? Or are you looking at no, scrapes? I'll find, I'll, I'll, I'll find some, uh, probably, probably try to find some, uh, I heard the mast is decent in that area. Find some acorns where I can catch them up in a timber. Sure. Um, maybe a down out of wind, maybe a thick, uh, and I got one spot that, uh, one spot's a pinch, but it's kind of funneling. It's back in a timber and there's oaks here and there's oaks there. So I might catch them. You know, they'll move throughout the day sometime, you know, maybe catch them staging here before they go out into a, maybe a bean field or something. Um, so I got sure. one pinch I know about and, and my buddy was out there. We were talking about a thick Creek bottom the does were bedding in and he said he's seen a lot of deer there and maybe I'll get a camera down in there and uh, maybe some does are coming in heat. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe see if some bucks are visiting that. And like I said, kind of uh, a variety pack. Yeah, just kind of cover all bases. Yeah, and see where you catch that. See where you catch a decent buck, and then yeah. So when you come back, so if you drop them, you know, in the next week or two, and you come back and check them, um, are you gonna check all fifteen, or are you gonna kind of hunt your way in, or what? I'll probably run and get them all. Yeah, go get them all at night. Still, or just I don't know if I'll get them at night. You know, it depends on how I feel. I yeah. think maybe the ones that are, you, you, you evaluate each camera set and it's like, I can get in and out with this wind. I can hurry up and run in there and get this. Some of them are close to the road. Sometimes you put them by a road just to, you get easy to check and see what's crossing the road. But, um, you know, maybe one that I'm thinking, my buddy said at Creek bottom is a long haul back in there. I might just take the bow and hunt it, you know, get in there and hunt it. You know, I, I don't know by that time of the year, I might not be checking too many at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind yeah, like, you can usually get in there in, in daylight at that time of the year and just in the mornings or midday. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll evaluate where I think the deer are and see if I can get in. And if it's a long hike, like I'll take the bow, maybe set up for an evening and hunt and pull that camera. But um yeah. But like I said, and it's it takes time to learn these areas. You're not gonna just learn in as the deer change and live in that area. Um you need to change and, and, and learn how them individual deer live, but just to know the basic um, land that how the deer inhabit it takes time. You, yeah. Takes years really. So I'm into these places like out in Iowa, I've spent six years. I've had time out there, Ohio, I'm into area and I have a hard time getting to new States. Cause I'm still like, oh, I got another one that moved in. I just get stuck in here. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't get away from this area, but it takes time to learn these areas. You're not just going to go in. And I'd say you can go in the first year, take a piece of public land and kill a deer. But I said, it takes years to really know how, how the deer move on that. You're not just going to mm -hmm. read and say this. I mean, you might, because that equation, the people hunting that area is that other equation you got to learn. And this, which you would think might be a good spot for a scrape. I've made, I don't do many mock scrapes. I just kind of put a camera where the deer are scraping, but I've made scrapes. Oh, this is a good spot. This is a ride scrape as a deer. And I know, <laughs> okay, I didn't really know what I was doing, you know. And yeah. I, the thing I do is when I'm out hunting, if I take someone that's new to the area, um, or as a new hunter, I said, well, we'll go down here. What do you think? And they look at me like, what do you mean? What do I think? You're the big deer hunter. I said, but maybe you have an idea. I'm just drawing conclusions on, I don't know. I'm not saying, Hey, I know everything. Do what I say. I'm just drawing conclusions from all the time I spent in the woods. Hey, it's hot. Maybe we should go down by the Creek. All right. Maybe they want to drink a water. Let's go hunt by the Creek. So just because you're a new hunter, you, 
I'm not thinking you don't know anything. It's like sometimes, like sometimes the the kiss <laughs> method is the best me- best method for hunting. Keep it yeah. simple, stupid. You're right. <laughs> Just hey, what you know, the deer are here. Where do you want to try? Because I don't. If, if I knew where I can go and sit in a tree every time I kill a deer, I'd do it. Look, I've been in a tree all, all you know, I killed so, <laughs> Like, what do you really know, John? You know what I mean? That is, dude, that is the truth. Right? That is the so, truth. My wife makes fun of me all the time, too. She's like, I thought you were good at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it takes years to learn a piece of land and keep studying it. And I do parcels at a time. And um, there's there's times before I had onyx, I'd just walk grid through until I had a visual map in my head of the area. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I wonder oh, yeah. how the deer know it. You never will. I feel, and I, my other analogy is like, it's like you get pieces of a puzzle. You're trying to build this puzzle, but the end result is the picture. You don't know what the picture is. Like you get the box, the 500 piece puzzle, and there's a picture. Say I'm building this big ship. And yeah. all you have is three little blue pieces, you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah, you got to figure out what the hell the picture like, is. So the end result is to figure that out. And yeah. You have four pieces. Yeah. You get all the pieces. It's a big puzzle. And then, cause you, you can't, that's what I love about learning about these deer. You can learn so much and not know a damn thing, you know, and that's <laughs> why I like, and that's my yeah. biggest thing is yeah. learning. And that's why my friends, I invite them to come hunt go hunt there it's a good spot but i just really like hiking through the woods and learning the animal whether it's an individual animal or where the does bed or what they eat i just love being out there and learning more and more Mm -hmm. and more about them you know and i like going to new areas because you get in a new area and you're always it's like i tell people my other analogy i tell them all the time it's it's like a um like a prosecutor you know you have you get out and get all these clues but you don't yeah. go to trial till you know you have all the clues you got. And it's like going to kill the deer. You you get all them clues. Then you go hunt the deer. You know, a lot of people are afraid to scout and get out there and hike around. I have did it in the past when I was younger. I'd go, I don't want to walk in the woods and screw. I'm going to sit here and you hunt out of state for four or five days. And then last day you walk around like, man, I should have been over here. You see the deer running over here. You're like, yeah, I should have been there. I said, go and know all you can before you go to trial you know it's like yeah. a prosecutor he don't just he got that one chance and when you're after mature deer you might only have that one chance so know everything you can and then go in for the kill you know get all them pieces all them clues it's just a big you know it's just get all them clues you can before you go hunt don't just don't screw there because you could screw it up right off the bat if you're hunting a mature deer so you find, know you, what you can and that's why i say hunt scout more hunt less get all them clues whether it's summertime mm-hmm. fall, or like i said you know if you need to walk through an area walk through it this deer that deer knows humans are in them woods it's no big new thing he's already on to you you know what i mean so yeah you know, he already you know, knows you're coming you, you know the guys are already hunting he knows it's that time of year you could never go in the woods and i guarantee he's going to live the same way he's going to uh, satellite them hunters whether you go in the woods or not, because there's other guys going in it. So go in there sometimes, you know, I used to take my dog and walk into an area and I'm just like, I'm like looking and taking in everything. And my head's like a big sponge. I'm soaking it all up and I'm, so I'm never coming in here again, but I'm going to get all my information, all my clues now, you know, and come back when the time yeah. is right and, and make that kill, you know, but yeah, that's why I said, that's like a prosecutor. He don't just, 
Oh, we've got three clues. Let's go try to, you know, convince <laughs> no, they, they they obsess and they go over and, and that's what I do. I know all I can before I go in. If it's a certain animal, like this year, I found them, we found them bucks hitting them scrapes, some 150 inch eights. And I didn't know everything about them. I just knew. And then a guy come in kind of, but if I find an individual animal that I'm really wanting to kill, I got a few, but it's not like one. It's like, so I'll, I'll just bounce around. I don't know one individual animal like I like to know and, and go after them. Like this year, I just been bouncing around and enjoying it and learning different animals and, and stuff like that. But yeah, know all you can. And, and, you know, you just say the best chance is your first chance in after them. You know what I mean? But feel mm -hmm. it too. Don't just, you know, have a gut feeling, but it all come together. If you find all the clues and you have that gut feeling, go with it, you know, try it out. So, Yeah makes sense well with that john you were at like we're just over an hour and a half i'm gonna i'm gonna cut us off yeah yeah I'm that's gonna, a, i'm gonna good. end it <laughs> but i'll definitely uh man i you i could talk to you for another hour and a half yeah, two yeah. hours yeah um so we'll definitely have to get you back on again again you guys if you want to go if you want to hit john up or you want to follow his story it's at the johnny stewart and it's two ends in there so you find him um what is that a picture of is that a backhoe is your yeah, it's an excavator i think we had a yeah couple deer hanging so i had like a little bit oh, of everything yeah, i can see that yep last year's killed but uh, yeah give me you got any questions hit me up uh send me a message i like talking maybe and i like to help people if i can and and a lot of times it's not it's you don't really i can give you ideas but like i said it's that toolbox you take you got to get all the tools and find what wrench works on what bolt you know i can't yeah. give you're not going to sit at your house and say, hey, i got this buck living here where should i set up i'm like ah. i have <laughs> people ask me questions and i ask them another 30 questions back you know so right right oh 100 percent. you know and i and i love when they uh i get a few every now and then where they'll send me a picture of their land and it'll only be their property It'll only be like the 40 acres they hunt and they go, where do I sit? And I'm like, send me the GPS coordinates. Cause I need to see what the hell is yeah. going on around, around you. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not just, it's not your property. It's the whole area that, that takes effect into where you need to be. Yeah. You're right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, fine, fine John there. And um, no, nah, man, thank you. I, I really appreciate having you on and I'm going to end the recording, but, but stick around for a second. Cause I got a couple, couple questions for you. Um <laughs> Thing. all right so yeah thanks again guys if you like this podcast you enjoy the conversation um you want to learn more about deer deer hunting and and follow along with late season you know hit that subscribe button um follow that podcast and then if you want to find me it's on instagram facebook youtube and i even sadly now have a tiktok so um that's where i'm at and um we'll catch you guys later